The Institute of Directors professional development programmes equip learners with the knowledge, skills and mindset to be enterprising and innovative, enabling organisations to become more productive and competitive. The IOD's programmes ensure directors develop an awareness of their interpersonal skills, legal and business knowledge, financial acumen, ethical questioning, decision-making abilities and the highest standards of professional conduct. The IOD is the only institute in the world to offer internationally recognised qualifications designed by directors for directors under Royal Charter. For more information on IOD training, visit iod.com today. Welcome to the Institute of Directors Scotland Business Podcast, a podcast where we interview directors from all over Scotland about their careers and businesses. I am your host, Marlene Lowe, founder and director of Titchborne Promotions and long-term IOD member. Andy Lothian and his father set up Insights over 20 years ago, and it's grown to be a global business creating a world where people truly understand themselves and others and are inspired to make a positive difference in everything they do. In today's episode, Andy shares his journey in becoming an authentic leader and the lessons he's learned along the way. Well, isn't this an interesting time? <laughs> Here we are in what, I don't know, it's the second or third lockdown. And today is Blur's Day. Blur's Day. Um, I think for many people, uh, that's the experience right now. And I think what's important in times like this beyond uh, any other time is to stay on purpose and to be focused on, you know, during uh, the COVID pandemic, I've been asking uh, questions like, you know, how, what am I called to be and do right now? And uh, if coronavirus was a teacher, what is it teaching us? <laughs> So where am I right now? I'm learning. I'm learning how to, uh, to, to stay focused and on purpose in times of crisis. And I think sometimes uh, we need that stimulus mm-hmm. of, of an external challenge or problem. They say never waste a good crisis. Well, what that means is um, look into it for, for what it's teaching us. What is coronavirus teaching us? So where I am right now, I'm in that learning mode. Um, we have, when, when COVID, uh, I suppose almost exactly a year ago, we began to get uh, indications that this virus was something different. And we began to see the impact, our, our business, our core business, Insights Learning and Development, um, was doing a lot of face-to-face work. And when face-to-face stops, the business stops. So we began to see the straws in the wind last January, February, the tail end of our financial year. And uh, in the first, certainly three to four months of our, our, this financial year, we were finding ourselves reinventing the business because we had no choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, we were, we were doing in kind of six days what it would have taken us six months to do and things that we should have been doing anyway. Mm-hmm. So our transition to digital, to virtual learning, um, the, the application of technology, getting 650 people out of offices and working from home. Fortunately, we have been investing a lot of money and a lot of time in the technology base. So the transition, it wasn't, it wasn't easy, but it was relatively simple. 
Um, and so from, from that point, we've been reinventing our proposition, both in the, the, the insights learning development business and in the second business that, that we have, which is Vida Tech, which is a technology business, mobile app development business, really reinventing how we show up in the world. And it's been very exciting. And I think we're through the worst of, uh, well, we're definitely through the worst of, of the, we, we've learned how to be in this kind of next <laughs> normal, you know? Yeah. But for me, it's all about, it's all about staying to purpose. What, what, is, what is core uh, for you or your business? And are you prepared to flex and change everything except the things that are core? So that's kind of where I am. I'm thinking about what's core and thinking about the things that need to flex and change. Mm -hmm. uh, we're certainly going to be, uh, as in our businesses, we're certainly stronger now than we were going into the pandemic, despite all of the challenges that, that you face in a, in a people business. Yeah. So that's kind of where I am. So tell me more about Insights, because you and your father started it however long ago, but I really want to know what, what where did that decision come from? I, I think, uh, so we started talking about this idea of purpose. I, I, looking back on it, didn't see this at the time, but looking back on it, I think it was all to do with that, mm -hmm. all to do with purpose and all to do with, um, there's a wonderful uh, Japanese model called Ikigai. And Ikigai is a reason for being, and it's the, uh, overlap or interplay between four things. What are you passionate about? What are you really good at or in a business context? What can you be best in the world at? What's your distinctive excellence? Mm -hmm. The third part of Ikigai is, is what can you be paid for? And the fourth part is what does the world need that you can provide? And if you think about, you know, what you're passionate about, what you're good at, what you can be paid for, and what the world needs that you can provide, and look at what, what what's common in those things. You kind of find this sense of purpose, this sense of ikigai or a reason for being. So looking back at where where all this came from, that all makes sense. But but I didn't I didn't see it clearly like that at the time. For me, it was um, I started off. Um, uh, I'd, I'd done my first degree was economics and computer science. Uh, I did an MBA. Uh, which can stand for master of bugger all, by the way. But after <laughs> that, I thought the world was my lobster and I could do whatever I wanted. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to be a master of the universe. Uh, in other words, I wanted to be a, an investment banker. Yeah. <laughs> so my first proper career as, after the MBA was I, I, uh, I applied to um, a number of the London-based investment banks and, and to position at NM Rothschilds uh, in the city of London. Now, because my dad and I uh, had been given a set of audio tapes that were talking about things like goal setting and uh, personal development and positive mental attitude and personal creativity and all those things. They were brilliant. I loved them. I absolutely got into them. And that got me to the place where, I, well, I'm going to be a master of the universe. I'm going to go to London and I'm going to be one of those uh, important investment bankers who, when you look at the FT and it says NM Rothschild's offers for sale and, and here's the one of the biggest companies in the world with a, a share offer. I was going to do all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I followed and, and, and got a role down there in London. And uh, that meant that when, when I was in this environment, I was, experiencing, uh, I was experiencing all the things that I thought I wanted. It was exciting. It was intellectually stimulating. It was in amongst all of the, 
ostensibly the movers and the shakers. But you know what? It was like candy floss. It was sugary and tasty, and but there was no nourishment in it for me. I couldn't find, you know, and the universe has an amazing way, if you pay attention to it, to send you messages and to turn up the volume if you don't listen to the messages. Yep. So, you know, a few few things were happening, like um, I, was, I, was, I would fall asleep on the train on the way home and, um, and miss my stop. And, um, <laughs> you know, there were just, just a number of things that were saying to me, this is not what my world needs to be. Yeah. And that's not, the, the world of finance is, is not a brilliant world to be in. It's part of what makes the world go around really, really important. It's just that it wasn't in my soul. Mm-hmm. And so um, my old man had been thinking about these audio tapes that we'd, uh, that we'd come across. And he was, he was as was his want, uh, looking to tell everybody else about these things. He was trying to build this little business around selling these audio tapes. Mm-hmm. And so I had a, a bit of reflection when I was in London and thought, what, what do I want my life to be about? And what I realized was a number of things. One was I wanted to be uh, in Scotland. I felt that, 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 that felt like the place I wanted to spend the rest of my life and to commit to, I think often in Scotland, good people go, they go off in search of, of diamonds on the other side of the world. When actually a lot of the diamonds that we seek are under our own feet right now, if we just do the hard work to mine them. So I wanted to be in Scotland. I wanted to be around my extended family. I wanted to be with uh, my my now wife, my life partner. Um, I wanted to do something that I felt would make a difference. And so I called my old man. I'd had a weekend with the curtains drawn in my room, reflecting on what I wanted to be thinking about and doing. And I decided that I was going to resign from the bank. So um, I, before I did that, I got... Jane to come down to, to London and proposed to her. She said yes, and there were violins and flowers, and that was great. I phoned my old man and said, look, I'm going to come back to Scotland. Um, why don't we build, why don't we do this together? Why don't we build this business together? So that was the next part. And then I went into the to the bank, and I, uh, I, I told my uh, boss that I was going to go back to Scotland. Now, there were a num- what was interesting about that? So I'm, I was beginning what's my purpose what's my icky guy what's i want to do in my life and huge ostensibly a huge risk when you make a career career exceptionally prestigious role in an exceptionally prestigious organization a very prestigious market it's a big old step and it's scary Mm. and it's exhilarating i'm I'm minded of uh i think it was the uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark might have been the, the, the second. Indiana Jones is he's in the caverns and, and he's running away from everything. And, and there's a big boulder. I don't remember this scene. There's a boulder chasing him down through all the caverns. And he's following instructions on this old ancient manuscript. And the boulder's chasing him. And he cliff, this abyss. And it's and he and he is going to fall in. And he looks at the the note, and the note says, Leap into the abyss. And he looks behind, sees the boulder coming, and he leaps. And just, bef- just below the level of the darkness, in this big abyss, there's a bridge that appears and he runs across it. It was hidden in the darkness. And it's almost like that. Sometimes you just have to leap. Mm. So I, Scotland, uh, we, we started the business together and we spent certainly a decade, 10 years, because we knew nothing about anything, right? Yeah. We spent 10 years learning all the things not the successful learning and development business. 
And after about 10 years, we began to find our voice um, and what we wanted to create in the world. And at the best part of the last 20 years, we've been trying to express that, that voice in the world. And haven't you just, I mean, the expansion that you've had in that time, like you said, humble man from Dundee, but you, you've got reach all over the world through insights. So you're helping people everywhere, not just understand themselves, but build their own careers and build their own paths. I think that, 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 that I really like how you phrase that, you know, helping people around the world. That's, that's kind of how, how I see it. Um, and I, I don't want to be grandiose about it. You know, we don't have all the answers, but what we can do is ask questions, questions like, you know, who are you? Mm. Uh, and what's your life about? What's your purpose? How do you want to show up as a leader? What is the legacy? How do you want to uh, grow other leaders in your organization? Mm -hmm. to be and how can you help them find that journey yeah. who are the other people around you and how can you uh, create better relationships better productivity uh, uh, commitment better engagement it's absolutely about helping about helping other people to uh, along that journey rather than providing the answers and it's it's a privilege it's a privilege to be able to uh, to bring it back to purpose we spend a lot of time thinking for for insights, insights, learning, and development. What's the what's why does this business exist? Mm -hmm. when, I, when I speak to young entrepreneurs, and by the way, I, do you know what's an entrepreneur? Somebody who can uh, see an opportunity and, and go and pursue it. It's yeah. it, it, you know, and they tend to be you know tend to be people who find understand and find what they love to do and put their heart and soul into doing that. Mm -hmm. What it's not about is just making money. It's so not about that. That's a, that's a consequence. We get mixed up. We watch programs like Dragon's Den, and we 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 think it's all about being these these very wealthy people that just throw money about. And it's missing the point. Or we watch you know, The Apprentice. Like that's not what it's about. It's about being doing valuable work that adds value to society, that makes a difference in people's lives at whatever level, and that you're passionate about. Yeah. Um, so, so you know that it's a privilege to work around the world supporting supporting people on that journey. And for some people, that's entrepreneurial. For other people, it's doing brilliant things inside an organisation and, and making a difference as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it's 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 an absolute absolute privilege. And I I often have to pinch myself around how far we've come, and we've a long way to go too, Marley. I think what I've really, what I love about Insights, inadvertently found out about you guys long before I joined the IOD, long before I heard you speaking on a public stage. Um, but what always hit me is that Insights, for me, has always been that image of a guide. You've, it's never been the be all and end all. It's been that guide to help you progress your own journey. You, so you are in charge of your own destiny. You just get the tools through insights to help you along that. And I've always found that very, very admirable because in the five, six years that I've known you or, or known about insights, that hasn't changed. And hearing your story, that hasn't changed from 30 years ago, 20 years ago. It's, it's a value that you've stuck through the whole time. How have you managed that? Well, I, I get it comes back to the, to, to the set, of, set of things called I call the the strategic intent, um, purpose and values. What do you stand for? 
uh, what's core it's it's back to all of that and what 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 we're not seeking to do um, is to be prescriptive about uh, how an individual or an organization needs to show up or the things they need to do but we can shine a light on um, who was it who said circumstances maketh not the man they merely reveal him to her himself so our circumstances maketh not the woman you know all we're seeking to do is hold up a mirror um, and facilitate some conversation that will make organizations better, more effective, add more value, more productive, create more engagement, create more community. Um, so we don't have to remember, you know, years ago when, when, when starting the, the, the audio tapes I mentioned before. Um, very kind of US centric in their way of being. You know, it would start something like one steps to success and achievement in life. Step number one, make a decision. Make a decision to exceed all your previous levels of accomplishment. Make a decision to be the best, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's not about that. You know, that's very much about doing. And we're not, in our organizations, we tend to get caught up in being human doings. And we're not human doings. We're human beings. And so when you think about think about humans in the context of an organization how do we want to be how do we want to show up with and for and, and it's not that the performance is not important it's critical the delivery of what we do and the appropriate processes and the appropriate focus and goal setting and kpis and uh uh end-to-end -end technology all of that stuff is, is critical yeah yeah but above that is why are we doing it why are we doing it as, a, as an organization? Why are we doing it as individuals? And who are we? And how do we want to show up in that context? That feels incredibly important. It's not rocket science. And it's, it's, it's a universal idea. Mm -hmm. People want to feel valued. They want to feel valued for who they are. If they do that, if we can do that in our organizations, we'll get the very best from people. It's enlightened self-interest, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So one thing I've been curious about since the first time I saw you speak at an IOD conference is you have this magnificent personality that you can't help but smile and engage. Do you do that naturally? Did you learn it? Can you learn? You know, that's a great question. I love that question. Um, I've been thinking a lot about that. I really appreciate it, um, by the way, uh, Marlene. Um, but I think as leaders, that, that sort of charismatic, there's a balance between being that charismatic thing or that, that mm -hmm. projected version of, of the leader that people expect of you and being yourself. And one of the things that I believe is a little bit wrong with the received versions of leadership in the world right now is that we're supposed to show up in that way where we're in control and we're charismatic and we're engaging you take that to an extreme uh at the very extreme ends that kind of very narcissistic approach to leadership you get a trump mm -hmm. right where we're actually manufacturing. He's manufactured this world around him that he believes in. And he believes that he was cheated out. You know, the, the, the election was stolen from him. Um, he believes his own shtick and it's become exceptionally dangerous. So your question was about, was it learned? Or, well, 
I think my personal journey has been about getting to understand me and understanding who I am with my weaknesses and my challenges and my, you know, potential strengths and so on. Um, and trying to establish what, what is the real, I, I, I remember my daughter, I, I did, a, I did a, 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 a presentation, a speech in Turkey, in Istanbul of all places, uh, three or four years ago. And I decided that uh, it was it was kind of, and by the way, there's, there's no political statement in this at all. Uh, I'm a proud Scot, a proud Brit, all of that. But I, I, took, I took a kilt, so I wore my kilt. And there were 2,000 um, uh, essentially uh, Asian, you know, Turkish, other people from, from Asia in this conference. And I took a gift of a kilt for my host. Mm -hmm. And we both dressed in the kilt at the start of my presentation. And I opened the presentation um, uh, the, the, the brave heart words, you know, I see an army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You came here as free men and free men, yeah, will ye fight? They may take our lives, but they'll never take our, all that stuff, right? <laughs> and it was great. And I was, I was using it as a device, both to engage people from a different culture with my culture, yeah. but also to, we were, we were talking about leadership and choices. And um, I was using it as a device to, to make my point about choices. And the, the video that my, my daughter saw the video of that. Now, when, when Jennifer, my oldest girl was, was growing up, she would come to me with her, her next piece of angst uh, about her, her, whatever it might be, schoolwork, or it might be about her first job, or it might be about a relationship or whatever. And she, I, I would always say to her, Jennifer, be yourself. Be yourself was my, was my guy. So she saw this video and she said, she, me. She said, Dad, I saw, saw your video in Turkey and you were dressed up as, as uh, Braveheart. And when you're doing that, are you yourself? And I thought, oh, what a fantastic question. And I, I honestly <laughs> had to think, of that for, think about that for a couple of days. Um, and I eventually responded. I said, look, absolutely, I am myself. I don't change because I put a kilt on and I perform, if you like, in that yeah. context. I'm not changing who I am. I'm changing how I'm connecting with the outside world. And understanding that distinction is really important. Understanding who you are, find yourself in, is really, really important for, and it's the core of some of the work we're doing at Insights. Understanding self, understanding others, adapting and connecting to that environment. So is it natural? I, I, uh, I, I try my very best to be me. Um, it's the only thing that I know I've got some half chance of doing. So <laughs> and I think, was it, there's a lot, a lot of talk about this idea of authentic leadership, but I really believe that as leaders, if we can be uh, as close to ourselves as we can be, and if we can be vulnerable, mm. you know, if we can uh, let people know that we don't have all the answers. Biggest lessons in my career have always been about say, thinking that I've got to know the answers to stuff, but knowing I don't, and then asking the people around me for help or support or, you know, the team, the team that I'm in, you know, how... I don't know what to do here. What do you think we should do? It's amazing what happens yeah, when yeah. you're vulnerable and authentic. Um, I think, uh, was it George Burns who said, authenticity, once you can fake that, you've got it made. <laughs> it's, it's true because you, you can sniff out when someone isn't authentic. Even if you can't put your thumb on exactly what it is, there's always that 
lizard part of your brain that's going, mm, something's not quite right here. And it usually, in my experience, comes down to the person projecting an image or trying to be something that they, they might not feel inside um, or might not be. Yeah, I think so. And I think when you see that kind of hero worship the, 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 that happens, you know, those who are, um, there is a certain societal pressure that's happening now and it, it creates uh, something that's called narcissistic codependency. So someone who's this kind of, this, this hero that we believe in, this, this image of perfection that we strive towards, we get connected to and we, get, we become believers, you know. Um, just be conscious of that and choose, choose the people that you want to follow and want, uh, and want to really believe and make, make your own choices. And the only way that you can do that is through understanding who you are, understanding what it is about you that, that will uh, influence you below the level of consciousness, understanding the things that you want to create in the world, the, the ways that you respond to things, um, the kind of individuals who, uh, can pull the wool over your eyes, the ones that the ones that irritate you that, that you don't quite understand, but actually there's something about them that you need to, you know, it, it, understanding yourself. That's the starting point of all of this, Marlon. Yeah. And it's it's one of the hardest points as well. Because it, <laughs> yeah, sure. my next question to be <laughs> in that journey of understanding yourself, people obviously find a lot of ways to go about that whether it be religion or spirituality or the what, what they are in their career etc but when it comes to actually understanding yourself what is the best piece of advice that you have for someone that that listens to this and goes I, I want to start that journey of understanding who I am uh, oh there's a what's the one piece of advice well first of all yeah it's really really hard somebody said to me once Understanding yourself is like trying to bite your own teeth. <laughs> it really is quite is quite tough. But actually, I think you maybe answered the question in in your question, which is, how would you advise somebody to begin the journey? To begin the journey, yeah, and to to begin to uh, explore. Um, it was a, a speaker many years ago. I listened to. Uh, he talked. To, he said, "This journey of self discovery." He said. You know, what, what they tell us we need to do is to peel away all of our socially prescribed roles and peel away all the predefined ideals that we have about ourselves and peel away all of the perceptions that others have. What happens if we peel away all of those things and we discover we're an onion? <laughs> 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 so you take it too far. But, yeah. but beginning the journey. So the answer to the question is in, is in your begin the journey, start exploring it. And um, obviously, the the, the insights discovery framework is a great way to start because it's a way of framing who you are in the context of who other people are. It's a framework and a language that helps people understand that. Yeah. Begin the journey and see what it takes you. Ask other people to the last part of the conversation about vulnerability, asking people, ask your way to self-understanding. Mm. Um, and I think when, when you're, you know, if, if, if you or I speak to a thousand people, Marlene, there are a thousand opinions of us and we have no control over those opinions. Yeah. And, and too many of us, you know, it might be half of the people love us, half the people hate us. Actually, probably 10% of the people love us, 10% of the people hate us, and 80% of the people don't care, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, beginning that journey and asking and being open, when, when a piece of feedback comes in, 
don't take it as or wrong or good or bad. Just notice it and try it on. Does that feedback really resonate for me? I've noticed that where um, the most valuable pieces of insight and self-understanding for me have been from those pieces of feedback where, you know, somebody might give you some feedback directly or indirectly, and you just ignore it because it doesn't resonate. Sometimes they give you some feedback and it feels really cozy and comfy and you can try, yeah, that is kind of me. But the most interesting feedback is when someone gives you, gives you, you get feedback indirectly or directly and you feel like you've been poked with a stick. (laughs) You don't like the feedback. It's not right. You defend it. You blame, you deny, but that's worth exploring because in there, what Jung would would have talked about as, as the shadow side in there somewhere is something that has a nugget of value. Mm-hmm. Um, so my answer to the question is just be- begin the journey and start playing with it. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful journey. I suppose there's that misconception as well is that when you started to journey, there's got to be an end point. So there's got to be a point where you look back and go, right, I've done it. I know myself now, but that, that's not true because like you said, we're human beings. We are being, we are constantly evolving throughout our lives in different stages and things that happen to us. So it's more like finding the tools that help you along that journey so you can actually live in the now and understand what's happening. That's such an important insight. There is no end to this journey. Um, I was um, listening to Simon Sinek the other day, talk his latest book's The Infinite Game, and it's essentially around, in our organisations, there's a finite game, which is a finite number of players, finite outcomes, and it's all about quarterly results and delivery. Then there's The Infinite Game, which is about this is just about advancing and it's, there's no end, end goal to that. You know, there's some truth in, in, in what, he's, what he's saying in that. Um, you know, you said, you said we're, we're human beings, not human doings. If we're not what we do on this journey, if we are what we do, then when we don't, we're not. Mm. So we're something else. And so it's not, it's not a, a finite game. It is a, it is a journey of, oh, it's a, a never-ending journey with no particular destination. Yeah. Some would say the destination is the day we die. I don't know. <laughs> but but the, what I do know is that organizations and individuals are either growing or they're declining. Yeah. There's no homeostasis in this. You know, during uh, COVID, the pandemic, you hear a lot of... Uh, a lot of talk about if we could just get back to normal. Well, what is normal? The only certainty is, is the change in the flux, flux that happens every day, whether we feel things are normal or not. Mm-hmm. The, only, the, the only thing about, about COVID is that it's brought to our awareness the fact that things are not normal. It's, it's just highlighted the fact that things are always changing. So if that's the case, if that's the world we live in, then our individual journey has to be one of change and development as well. So it's a continual process. Um, it's, almost like, uh, it's almost like showering or bathing. You don't <laughs> bathe once and for all. Yep. <laughs> so we shower and we bathe every day. So it's, it's part of that same kind of metaphorical journey. So speaking of journeys and futures, obviously that we can all speculate as to what the next year is going to hold. But what I'm really interested to know is you said Insights has a lot more growing to do. So we all have a lot more growing to do. Do you have one of those peaks, one of those things that you want to achieve that, you, that you're striving towards? 
so here's the paradox. Paradox is brilliant. So if you have a paradox um, holding both sides of it, uh, holding both sides of a paradox uh, feels important. You don't, you don't solve a paradox, you manage a paradox, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the paradoxes that I live all the time is that I'm a great believer in these things called big, hairy, audacious goals, BHAGs. <laughs> That are the ridiculous uh, futures and ideas that we have no idea how we're going to accomplish them, but we're going to give it a go. <laughs> and the other side of that paradox is I'm a great believer in uh, being in the now and and in doing now what we can do, taking care of what we can do now. Yeah. Um, but the reason the reason that big heredicious goals I feel are important is just the way it affects our thinking. Mm -hmm. If we're thinking about what we can be and have and do or create in the future in ways that inspire we don't know how we're going to do it it will change our thinking now um so yeah we have some big heritage goals for for insights and the group um some of them are in the space in our in our uh vision so in, in our strategic intent we have purpose insights purpose is to create a world where people truly understand themselves and others and are inspired to make a positive difference in everything they do. Mm -hmm. We have a set of values that determine how we do that. We want to make a difference. We want to work together. We want to enable success. We want to enjoy the journey together and other sets of values that are important. And we've got a vision for the business, which at the uh, indeterminate time in the future is a set of big, hairy, audacious goals. Some of them are to do with financial goals. Some of them are to do with customer goals, some of them to do with uh, geographic penetration goals, some of them to do with people. Um, for example, our, our people at the highest level, at the um, conceptual level, is that everybody in the organization can say in their own way, I love my job and I love this company. And we reckon that if everybody can say that and answer yes to that question, we'll have a great organization. Okay. Now, so, so we've got some some big audacious goals uh, for for the group and so on. And I think on the back of the pandemic, having reinvented uh, the two core businesses, um, mm -hmm. we're in a great position to to move towards them. Um, and I think it's it's partly just to do with the act of striving towards something. It's the act of growth. Because what's the alternative? Trying to find a, a nice, comfortable <laughs> state of stability. It doesn't exist. It's like balancing on a knife edge. You can do it for a little while, but one way or another, it's going to move. So um, let's make sure we're moving forward towards growth, uh, towards the things that we want to create, not away from the things that we don't. Is there anything else that you would like to share with the Scottish business community or anyone listening? Is there anything else I'd like to share? I guess um, what I'm really, really encouraged about um, is the potential that exists uh, in Scotland and beyond uh, to create a really bright future. When I look at what happened recently in the US, um, and more will come, by the way, of the vision and hatred that's been created um, in, in, in that nation. But when I look at what happened with the storming of the, the capital, that little group that, that got inside and so on, it's my hope that that's an inflection point and a turning point where the US people begin things like uh, community and trust. And uh, we're, we're calling it, at Insights, we're calling it rediscovering human. Yeah. Now, I think that in our country, we have the opportunity to do that because we're, we're 
smaller. We have the opportunity to do that really quite strongly together. And I'm not making a case for independence or not. All I'm saying is that as a Scottish business community, it's up to each and every one of us to create an environment where we do the very best things that we can for our people, for uh, our, our country, for society, that we create an environment where there's more love and more humanity and more respect. Mm. And I, I call on our politicians to do the same thing. Yeah. The adversarial nature of our politics uh, some gets a bit too much in my view. So if we can just have a little more respect uh, of each other's viewpoints, then I think we can do great things as a nation. So um, I'm encouraged. I'm quite bullish. <laughs> what I would say yeah. is that it's not up to them. It's not up to them, the politicians. It's not up to them, the other people in other businesses. It's up to each and every one of us to do what we can to make a difference where we are with what we've got. And then we let the rest take care of itself. So the twin messages of understanding self and taking action based on what we can do are, are really key for our future, I think. The Institute of Directors is in the heart of all major cities and continues to represent your point of view as a business leader, both locally and nationally. Our objective is to ensure that your views are taken into account when government is reviewing policy, legislation, or seeking the opinions of the wider business community. If you're interested in joining the IOD, please visit www.iod.com. Also take the opportunity to listen to our other IOD podcast, Policy Voice. Join the conversation and share your thoughts on today's episode by engaging with us on Twitter or joining the LinkedIn Scotland group.